Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, I am joined once again by my sister, Kay Callum. How are you doing tonight? Very good. How are you? Doing all right. Now, we have seen and are going to have a completely spoiler-filled discussion on Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, we've also seen the episode of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, episode 20 of season 2, that takes place afterwards, because we were kind of curious how... Uh, how they tied together. How they tied together. And, uh, well, why don't we just start with that? Okay. Um, this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., number 20... Had some references to mm-hmm. the events in Avengers, not uber spoilery events, uh, you know, aspects of it, um, other than, you know, and again, this is a spoiler-filled discussion on Age of Ultron, so here's the first spoiler, Ultron loses. Yes. And if you're surprised by that, shame on you. Um. Uh, oh, and it took place in Sokovia. Yes. All in all, unlike how pivotal uh, Winter Soldier was for the first season of S.H.I.E.L.D., this crossover, they acknowledge, or not even, it was not even a crossover, the events of the movie, they acknowledge, they did one or two minor things to kind of set it up, but mm-hmm. it was blink and you miss it kind of stuff. It was definitely not a game changer. The thing that seems, from my perspective, to be going on that ties between the two is that there seems now to be two factions or two... Um, I guess, forms of thought going on. Either you're okay with alien influence or you're not. Well, certainly in, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that was playing in. with What got me, though, with the cinematic universe here is events of certain movies are, you can't help but notice, they change the world. Yes. Again, the fall of Hydra, that kind of stuff with Winter Soldier. In Age of Ultron... Ultron attacks, the Hulk goes berserk. I mean, these are national news events. Mm-hmm. We're told that in the movie, yet it really didn't seem like that big of a deal in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We saw it making the news, but other than the fact that it was on the news, it had minimal effect on their daily life. It was really, oh yeah, and that happened. Yeah. Now, go into the movie itself, because that is what yes. we're here to, to talk about. They start with some definite action stuff. They're going after uh, Loki's scepter and whatnot. Get some really good action, reminiscent of the first film. Complete with a recreation of what I had called the gong moment in the first movie, where uh, in the first movie, yeah. uh, Thor hit Captain America's shield and a bunch of trees went down, and that was kind of the end of their bickering. Here... They are surrounded by people who are kind of lining up to fight him. And this time he hits the shield on purpose to knock the enemies down. Exactly. So there's some callbacks like Mm -hmm. that that are well done. And it also goes towards them fighting as a team. Yes. The one uh, shot in that sequence that I thought was a little gratuitous was when they all are kind of, you know, running forward and stuff. 
and they do a little slow motion as they're in a lineup. Yeah. And it's kind of a let's pause and watch. Okay, now let's go on. Yeah, I caught that. And I was like, really? Did we need to do the, hey, look, we got them all in one frame. That's a cool shot. So I get it. But it was also right after, I think, Hawkeye and Black Widow bail out of the vehicle they were in. And right before Iron Man flies forward to Mm -hmm. the the castle or whatever they were attacking. And I'm like, you know, those other two are on foot. How are they going to catch up? But it was, it started the movie off with a, a good action sequence. And by and large, I thought this was another movie that was well balanced in terms mm-hmm. of most of the stuff. Hawkeye, I think, got more screen time and development in this movie than in all of his past appearances put together. Yeah, he finally got the love his character needed. Well, in, in multiple ways, both in terms of screen time and in terms of his character literally having a life. Yes. Which was surprising, seemed to come out of literally nowhere, but they addressed that. Mm-hmm. They you know, did. He's a covert guy. He's got a bow. He doesn't go advertising. He has a family. Yeah. So I thought it was good that they did all of that. They tried to build, not try, they did build up a relationship between the Hulk and Black Widow. Which I thought was interesting because in previous movies, it had felt to me like Black Widow and Hawkeye had something. And here- They were saying, no, no, that's a friendship, which, albeit it had never been a blatantly sexual or dating thing in the other films, it just felt like she was closest to him. There's a strong connection there that they've never really clarified. And if they were to go with a Black Widow movie, having Hawkeye in it, and at least in flashback, to go explain some of that. Mm -hmm. You know, how does she know about the family? Why doesn't others... How did that come to be? Mm-hmm. Um, but it gave uh, both uh, the Hawkeye character a good arc in the movie. Uh, I liked when everybody else was getting mind controlled. He didn't. Yes. And of course, the not a fan of that was kind of a reference to the first film. Yes. Because I don't think the actor was really keen on, on essentially being part of the villain group half the film. Yeah. Yeah. Black Widow, I thought, got a, a good arc here. I don't think she came out of it well. No. I mean, it, it showed she is who she is, and that has costs. You know, her relationship with, with the Hulk goes through a lot of twists and turns. Um, and there was the one scene where uh, Banner is talking to Black Widow, and, you know, have we missed our window? Mm-hmm. And it was the one point in the film where I thought things kind of just slowed down a little too much. It was a good character moment, good character arc for both of them. But given everything else that had been going on, you know, the movie needed a little bit of a lull in the action, and certainly that was it. But I felt they should have tightened that scene up a little, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was also right around the time they bring in kind of that other member of the Avengers of Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. He was well used in this, and, you know, his uh, coming later with a, a helicarrier at the right time, again, that got a both acknowledged and retroactively set up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I liked because we also saw Patton Oswalt in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for that. Yes. I was a little dismayed that when we got in the movie the the helicarrier and stuff, one, I didn't recognize anybody on it. Mm-mm. Well, except uh, Maria Hill. Maria Hill and, and, and uh, 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 Fury, of course. None of the people at the consoles, none of them were familiar. Yeah. Um, but also... You've got this thing that's essentially a flying aircraft carrier. Would it have hurt you to turn the thing 
and basically park it right up against the impossible edge of the city at one of the bridges and just let people walk aboard yeah, yeah. not gonna happen i know it would have been too easy no we gotta gotta use tenders gotta ferry people mm-hmm. aboard mm-hmm. um more dramatic that way i get it mm-hmm. um now this movie was the second movie to have quicksilver and scarlet witch in uh the x-men days of future past we get quicksilver we see scarlet witch but in in the Avengers, there's a 12 minute age difference. In the X Men, there's a multi year difference, but I mean, like 10 year almost. Interesting. Um, so we don't really get any Scarlet Witch as such, but there's he has a sister. Mm-hmm. Now my understanding is contractually because those characters were both Avengers and X Men, it kind of blurred the line as to which studio had what rights. Mm. And what hmm. they eventually settled on is both could use them. But in the Avengers, they can't make reference to them being mutants. In the X-Men, they can't make reference to them being Avengers. How funny. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if they couldn't use the same actor or just didn't want to use the same actor or what happened there. Both people who did um, Quicksilver, I thought, did a good job. Mm-hmm. The one in, in Age of Ultron, I think, didn't start out necessarily as strong as the one in Days of Future Past, but he grew on me. I would agree with that. And uh, in his final scene, I really liked his bet you didn't see that coming. Yeah. And I didn't. I was surprised. You know, and I I liked that interplay for him with uh, Hawkeye. I thought his character and Scarlet Witch both had great arcs in the movie. They did. And the two worked well together. Mm-hmm. Not the first time they'd worked together. Yeah. They played husband and wife in Godzilla. Huh. Interesting. Now, she is, um, the actress is what, Ashley Olsen, the sister of the Olsen twins? Elizabeth. Elizabeth Olsen, Olsen, younger sister of Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Yeah, there we go. And I didn't recognize her as such in the movie, but I I did spend a few minutes on IMDb. Uh, I was going to say, I needed the credits to tell me who she was, and that's why I started putting it together, and I'm like, oh, She did a great job. She did. She knocked it out of the park. And especially just, she, I believed her. For the progression of attitude, if you will, and the arc that character went through. Yes. Of starting out, I want to say, immature. Well, they started out on the wrong side. They were with Ultron. And the way they switched sides, how all that happens. But even before Ultron, starting out with Hydra, really. Yes, yes. And that was part of what I liked, was starting out, I don't want to say gullible, but having volunteered for something that we as an audience knew was bad. I did like the line that Captain America had. Oh, it was great. What kind of a monster would let a German scientist experiment on them willingly? Yeah. For for their country. For their country, yes, yes. Yes, it was a great line. There were a couple of lines early on where I thought it was just witty, well done. You know, Iron Man flies into the, the base Shoots a bunch of people saying, you know, we need to talk or whatever. Oh, good talk. And they're like, no. <laughs> yes. Yes. So there were a couple of, of, of witty comebacks like that, which I enjoyed. And I felt that was more at the beginning of the film than later in the film. Yeah. And there were at least two places. There were at least two places where the music choices just were so not what I expected. How so? Uh, the opera. That uh, Bruce Banner was uh-huh. listening to as he was coming down from being the Hulk. It it was very much, I mean, admittedly, they kept 
half in jest, half seriously saying, you know, he needs a lullaby. He needs to calm down. And I don't know, going opera is not what I think of as calm you down music. It's very passionate music. I think it's something to take his mind off of. Yeah, but it was just all the visuals they were giving us as we're listening to this opera and this passionate romantic song. I'm like, what am I supposed to be getting from this until we finally get to him with the headphones on? I'm like, ah, okay. Now now I see yeah. at least where we're going for here. But it, maybe if we'd started the scene on him and then pivoted around everyone else and come back to him, that music choice would have made more sense to me from the start. Yeah, for some reason it didn't really bother me once we saw the headphones. It's like I clued in and I hadn't been thinking before of, of why this, so... Yeah. Um, and there was just another place where the music was just one of those songs where I was like, really? I'm enjoying the music, but it's not what I naturally think of as music to go with an action film. Well, and we noticed in the credits, Danny Elfman was one of the composers, and there was another one. Yeah, two different people worked on the score, which I thought was interesting. And it was different than... The one who had done the Avengers theme from the first movie. Mm -hmm. And there is a theme. Again, it like I mentioned mm -hmm. when we talked about the first movie of the Avengers, it it's not really here's their battle cry kind of a... Well, I guess part of why I noticed the music in these is like the Captain America films have that great patriotic beat to them throughout them, especially in their battle scenes. It was also a period piece. Exactly. Exactly. And this doesn't have some sense of that identity with the music, I guess. Well, I don't think it's possible to do a contemporary period piece. Exactly. Yeah. For two reasons. One, it's hard to know what's iconic about the period in the moment. Yeah. And two, if you nail it, it just makes the film look dated. Yeah. So it's a hard to do and, and dangerous to do. Yeah. Ultron's origin was, was changed up quite a bit from the comics. Interesting. Now, in the comics, the main reason they had to change it up, they haven't introduced any of the Ant-Men. Ah. Uh. In the comics, you've got Henry Pym, who became the original Ant-Man, later became Giant Man, Goliath, uh, Yellow Jacket... Wasp at some point, Dr. Pym at another point. He went through a bunch of identities, all of which were later taken over by other people. Mm. Matter of fact, the second Goliath, Hawkeye. Hmm. Henry Pym had some, some mental stability issues. Obviously, identity crisis was one of them. Yeah. Uh, but he wound up creating a, uh, a artificial intelligence, Ultron. Goes nuts, tries to rule the world. Well, don't have him in play yet, so... We've already got another guy who's a genius scientist who's created an AI. What the heck? Let's have him go forward. Mm -hmm. Now, using the scepter mm -hmm. of, of Loki's was interesting. Yeah. Flat out saying, yep, this is the mind gem and it's part of the infinity gems that are going to be part of the mm -hmm. infinity gauntlet for Infinity War. And Thor later referencing that four of them have been in play. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting about that is one of them was the one from Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. implying Thor knows about those events. Yeah. Now Heimdall sees also, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I thought it was interesting because you mentioned already everybody's mind got played with at one point. Um, Bruce Banner didn't really want to dwell on, and I, we didn't really see what he saw when his mind got played with. Uh, for Scarlet, um, sorry, no, for Black Sc Widow. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, when her mind got played with, we saw definitely what she was seeing and was being haunted by her past. Whereas with Thor, when his mind got played with, it was a dream he was sure he should have gotten a message from. He knew he was in a dream state. Yeah. And at first, Iron Man thought he was living through the events and then comes out and realizes, oh, wait, that must have been a dream. Yeah. But now Iron Man was sure that he was seeing the future. Yes. Like a premonition. Yes. Whereas Thor was certain kind of a my subconscious was trying to tell me something. Yeah, Iron Man was convinced he was shown something that would happen. Thor was not convinced of that. Yeah. But again, man of science, man of, of, of man, God, of, yes, of yes. mysticism, sort of, you know. Yeah, it was Different frame of reference there for the two. Yeah, it was interesting to me how each person reacted to it. And, you know, Captain America, you know, everyone else seemed to be shown their darker side or their fears, whereas he was shown almost a... Not being needed anymore. You can relax. If he he hadn't gone into the ice, he wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Which is an interesting dilemma for him. Now, Scarlet Witch induced all of those visions. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the comics, her powers are more... I mean, she's... I was going to say she's a mutant. But one, I can't say that. We're talking about Avengers. No, I'm kidding. Um, The reason I hesitate there, though, is in some recent stuff... um, They've backpedaled very much away from her and Quicksilver being the children of Magneto. Oh, interesting. Now, how much of that's because of the movie mm-hmm. stuff? Uh, but for the longest time, she and, and Quicksilver were believed to be the son and daughter of Magneto, mm-hmm. uh, who also had another daughter, uh, Polaris, who was a, a, a mutant with magnetic powers. Um, later joined. She was part of the X Men. Later part of X factor uh probably a few other teams in the meanwhile um but scarlet witch's mutant ability is this hex based power to alter probability oh interesting not telekinesis not mystic blasts so much i was gonna say kind of creating uh fireballs of electricity gathered out of the air was kind of the yeah and it's a cool effect in the movie oh it was well used especially when she was heartbroken and pissed off yeah I liked that. And I liked the way they used the twinness, if you will. Well, yeah, they they played with that. And having um, the actors have worked together before and apparently been friends, they were paired up during most of the movie. Yeah. So that, I think, gave them going in a certain chemistry. Mm-hmm. And it played well. Yeah, it did. But her having the ability to do the the mind clouding or whatever... Convenient for the story, not based on the comics. Interesting. But her her hex powers have always been, you know, kind of the what are the odds of that? You know, the thing collapsing mm-hmm. right on top of you or your 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 bow and arrow falling apart or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So her powers have always been a little ill-defined. Here, while it didn't make sense to have that particular mix, she had them. You know, it was, again, the experimentation from the mind gem, which goes towards mm-hmm. the mind clouding. Doesn't really go towards, you know, Quicksilver being really fast. Well, but, yeah, it was Hydra had experimented based on having had the... Uh, the scepter. And the diviner from um, S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, right, right, right. The inhuman diviner and the, t- the crystals. Right. Interesting, so, yeah. 
that's where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does come into play, is we know the twins were the only successful HYDRA experiment out well, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And when they give a little their backstory to Ultron, he's like, okay, I get it. Yes. Now, with Ultron, James Spader uh, was the voice, who was also, I believe, on set doing motion capture. Uh, since Ultron is, you know, like an eight-foot-tall guy, mm-hmm. my understanding, again, having done some quick reading on IMDb since we saw the film, he had this apparatus that had two, like, red ping-pong balls up above where the eye line mm-hmm. would be. Mm-hmm. And according to the uh, the IMDb page, Elizabeth Olsen, who played Scarlet Witch, was getting so engrossed in James Spader's acting, she's looking at the wrong spot, yeah. to which the guy who played Quicksilver's Red balls. Look at his balls. It's like, okay. And I'm sure that was helpful for keeping a straight face. Oh, yeah. But the IMDb page also mentioned that Spader did just such a a phenomenal job his first day on set. He actually got a round of applause from the people there. It's like, damn, this is good. And the, the motion capture, the way it was applied to Ultron, again, what they're doing with digital effects is just amazing. I believe whichever company did the that part of it, and it might have been ILM, it might not have been, I don't remember, but they created a brand new motion capture system hmm. mm-hmm. for this, and one of the people um, that was brought in as a consultant was Andy Serkis. Gollum from Lord of the Rings, huh. uh, he also was in the various new Planet of the Apes movies. Hmm. He's been like one of the go-to guys if you need a motion capture performance. Interesting. Um. But Spader, his his knack for dialogue delivery. Yeah, I was going to say, I really enjoyed the scene when he first met Jarvis. Mm-hmm. And the two AIs kind of went up against each other. There was some interesting stuff there when he's first talking with, you know, again, uh, the Avengers, then later um, Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. He's got such a powerful, um, again, delivery of, of, of handling the stuff. Mm-hmm. He's very matter-of-fact, yet creepy, a little yeah out there. Yeah. Um, well, and I loved the scene where he ended up using the scepter on the doctor. But when he's saying, you know, you really ought to be asking, why didn't I kill you when I could have? Well, and what was interesting in the scene with the doctor was later when Scarlet Witch is able to read yes. what becomes the vision. Yes. And he's like, you're going to blow up the world. I yeah. don't like this. And then she very subtly yeah. frees the doctor. Yeah, I loved that. Brilliant scene, very well done. Yeah. And this whole way of Ultron creating a, a humanoid, human synthetic human body mm-hmm. for the vision, I thought was just terrific. And... uh who was that? Paul Bettany? Paul Bettany, who also was the voice of Jarvis. Excellent. Excellent job as the Vision. Yeah. Um, he, he knocked it out of the park. I loved the scene where Thor has used the hammer, infused the thing with energy. We get the Vision awake. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, mistakenly attacks Thor or whatever. And then he flies out to the, the windows and just hovers. And yeah, he sees the world for the first time. And sees himself for the first time. Yeah. Reflected in the yeah. glass, you know. There's a, an aspect of that with just him floating that's very much, that's how the vision can be in the comics. Yeah. You know, the, the lighter than air. They never really clarified his powers of, of 
being both super dense or super not dense, you know, intangible. Mm -hmm. We see him intangible at times. Mm -hmm. But it's just kind of a see what he can do, not have it explained to you thing. Mm -hmm. But he's a great addition to the Avengers stuff. He is. Now, his name was used a few times towards the end. Mm -hmm. I don't think Scarlet Witch was ever called Scarlet Witch. No, nor was Quicksilver called Quicksilver, I believe. That's what I was I thinking. Think Hawkeye was only referred to by name maybe once or twice in the film. Yeah. So a lot of it is just we know who they are, they don't tell us. Yeah. Which is a little weird. And I know who they are from the closing credits. Yeah. Which is unfortunate as a non-comic book reader. I, I'm disappointed that I needed to read the closing credits to know who I just watched. I've had that a couple of times myself as a hardcore comic fan. Uh, Days of Future Past is the one mm. I'm thinking specific. Yeah, and that's what this reminded me of, yeah. Well, with that one, in the future sequences, we saw a lot of mutants very briefly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a, and sometimes, it, one, there's so many zillions of X-Men, it's hard to keep track of them, and some of them hadn't been seen for a while. Well, and we were given the twins' names in passing when their dossiers were looked at, but it was kind of in amidst so much else happening yeah. That it just kind of went in one ear and out the other for me. And I thought, well, surely they'll be referred to by name. So if I didn't latch on to it right then, I'm okay. Well, we got Petro's, you know, his name a time or two. Wanda's, uh, not so much. And a movie is like a fire hose of information. If you don't oh, catch the name the first time and they don't give it a time or two later. Yeah. You're out of luck until the credits roll by. Yeah. Um, I did think with the vision... When he's like, you know, we've got to work together and stuff, the way he convinced the Avengers really was serious payoff for the sequence earlier in the movie after the party of who can lift Thor's hammer. Yes. Yes. Now, in the comics, a couple of people have been able to do it. You know, Cap and a uh, a few others, Paragons of Virtue, usually. Um... So when we had that, and the, the that scene is one they'd used in place of a trailer when the trailer had gotten leaked early. I think they actually showed it during, after one of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes. Hmm. So, I mean, I'd seen it on, on YouTube or, you know, as a trailer, mm-hmm. whatever. It's like, oh, so we hit that part with the party. Oh, it's that scene. Got it. <coughs> and it was a good scene. But for it to have the payoff later, mm-hmm. when the Vision just casually hands... Thor's hammer to him and says, let's go. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, all right then, let's go. You know, yeah. I'm sold, you know. And it was a, a smooth way to really pay off that earlier scene and get the Avengers to be able to trust the vision. Yes. Yeah. You know, it it, it played well. Yeah. Um, It was interesting, again, for just some of the transitions on how the team operates and things like that during this. I liked at one point when I think it was Maria Hill came into the uh, small plane and addresses Tony Stark as the boss. And he's like, no, no, Cap's the boss. I'm the money man. The money man, the guy who designs everything, makes everybody look cool, pays for everything, does, you know. Yeah. And But it's, no, no, it's his show. Um, which, again, shows a maturity of the character mm-hmm. a bit over, over the time. And... Uh, I loved, I mean, Captain America is always portrayed the way I feel he should be with those ideals and everything. Like you said, he's a character for a period piece. He comes out of that generation and they summed it up 
with that continual ribbing of him for calling his friend's son on his language in the middle of a battle. You know, because Tony Stark uses profanity and Cap says language. Yeah. You know, and that's something that you expect a person from the 30s to exactly call you on. Uh, the the old school sort of a stuff. What I love about how Cap is portrayed in these films is he's always been the quintessential leader of the Avengers. Mm. Always. There was a run that Mark Wade did on Captain America when it just renumbered at one point. And it was more of a uh, like a Tom Clancy spy kind of a take on it, mm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Not blatantly that way, mm-hmm. but more along those lines than super heroics. And he had been saying uh, in interviews at the time, he always saw Cap as the man with a plan. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I'm thinking, no, that's Batman. Mm. Okay. Cap's a natural leader. But there was something either I'd read, either that Busick, Kurt Busick had written or in an interview, whatever. But it finally got to the point where it really did click with me. And this movie is a great example of it. They're on a train. It's out of control. It's about to just mow down a bunch of people. He's got himself, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch, who've just suddenly, out of nowhere, started helping him. Mm-hmm. He just turns to Quicksilver and says, get the people out of the way in front of us. Clear the path. You know, Scarlet Witch, can you stop it? I mean, he just... Yeah. He's the strategist. Yes. And when you think about the character's background of having been on the battlefields of World War II where that was a very hands-on war, as opposed to our current wars where we're in the drones and we're in the planes and you're 30,000 feet above. But roll that a little further back. How did he start in that war? As a piece of propaganda. True. As a joke almost. Yeah. There is a sequence they do as a montage where he and the, uh, the Howling Commandos are just essentially going through the war, you know, taking no prisoners or whatever, mm-hmm. or taking prisoners. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, there's a growth there. Yes. Yes. That if they wanted to do another period piece kind of a deal, they definitely mm-hmm. could and should. I would enjoy seeing, you know, just the same way they did Agent Carter as a little event series. A Howling Commando series. Oh, absolutely. Now, speaking of Agent Carter, she showed up in the dream sequence for Cap. She did. At the party, we got Falcon, we got Iron Patriot, or War Machine. Yes. He showed up later in the film. And neither of them were referred to by name. No, no. It was just, do you know these guys kind of thing. (coughs) They mentioned some, uh, you know, Pepper Potts, um, Jane Foster, a few others. This is really going towards there is a bigger universe of Mm -hmm. these characters. Well, and Thor went to the university and got... um, The professor guy. Yes, from the previous movie and from from the Thor movies. And the Thor movies. And he wasn't the one that showed up first season of Avengers, was he? Um, No, it was Peter McNichol they had as the, uh, the Norse expert. Yes, now I know who you're thinking of, correct. But it goes towards there's a larger tapestry, a larger story going on here. Mm hmm. That, that plays well. But again, a little odd that they're saying, oh, it'll tie into the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We don't get Patton Oswalt. We don't get really anybody from the show. Well, and we don't get a reference to Coulson. Well, I get that. Yeah, they think the he's Avenger- dead. Yeah, and that that's so sad. I mean, but even when we're on the helicarrier with just Nick Fury and Maria Hill, who mm-hmm. both know he's alive, yeah, we don't get a reference to him. Yeah. And it's, again, if they had had Patton Oswalt in there or something, 
mm-hmm. to me that would have been enough bridging of, of the thing. Yeah. It- to, yeah, to me, this was not the game changer for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that the other one was. This just, they seem to have tried a few episodes back to mm-hmm. have said Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was helping to prepare for this. But in a, once again, within Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., people don't trust each other. And we are talking about an organization that goes on covert missions, but gets annoyed that their co-workers keep secrets. It's a little hypocritical. It's part of the job. Yeah. Well, the thing is, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now, because again, we haven't seen the two-hour finale yet, but con- pretty much concurrent to the events, uh, the events of Agents of uh, Age of Ultron on Agents of Shield. Wow, that's hard to say. I twisted your tongue. Yeah, doesn't take much. There are essentially two Shield organizations. Yeah. Now you throw Fury and Company into the mix. You've essentially got a de facto third. Mm-hmm. You know, which again falls under Coulson's because, well, you know, he and, and Fury are buddies, but. It, it gets it a little convoluted to her back. There is still a shield to be had. Mm-hmm. Yet, going at the beginning of the film, the Avengers aren't really working with any shield organization. They're cleaning up after Hydra, yet none of what they allude to with that has really been talked about in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was going to say, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we feel mostly like Hydra's dead. Mm-hmm. There, there are scraps. But it doesn't feel like the threat that the Avengers are going after at the beginning of the film. Well, there was references earlier in the season of cleaning up the various Hydra bases that were still out there. True, true. And some of that. So we did did kind of deal with that. Um, but it goes towards, it's hard to really tie all of a TV show going on a weekly basis. It is, yeah. With a series of movies by different producers, directors, yeah. etc. Uh, I mean, Joss Whedon was overseeing a lot of it. He's got hands-on both the Avengers and the the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff, but there are higher-ups that that he has to answer to. Yeah. It did surprise me, though, how much resources the Avengers seem to have, although I don't know where they got the Humvee or whatever they were driving at the beginning, some of the Mm -hmm. motorcycles, the Quinjets, whatever. And it seemed like at times they were going through some vehicles left, right, and center. Well, and it all seemed to be shield resources. But Cap had a, a motorcycle. Who knows where that came from? Yeah. But it seems excessively wasteful for him to basically flip off of it and throw it into like another tank or whatever it was. Well, and uh, Black Widow jumped off of her motorcycle and let it get crashed when she jumped into the back of the 18-wheeler. Well, and... The implication is this is all funded by Stark. So the Avengers have their own stuff. True, true. I mean, they had the tower and all that, so they don't need S.H.I.E.L.D. I love the bit when he's uh, Iron Man's about to take Ultron and just plow him through this building with, yes. how, how quickly can I buy this? Yes. And it shows a certain fiscal responsibility, oh, if not social. Oh, he was going to plow Hulk through the building. That's right. It was Hulk, not Ultron. That's right. That's right. Yes, because there were a few times when I wanted to say Hulk smash or smash Hulk, and the script wasn't saying it, but it just kind of felt like those kind of moments. Oh, and there was one moment where I swear Iron Man said puny Hulk. I didn't catch that. I'm not surprised. With the Hulkbuster armor, he might have. Yeah, and it just was amusing the heck out of me. Well, and I like the whole Veronica bit, as opposed to Betty. Yes. But this this orbital platform that at a moment or two's notice can send down something capable of at least caging the Hulk for a minute or two 
and a huge Hulkbuster armor set to put on Iron Man with replaceable parts because he knows it's going to get banged up. And that Bruce Banner helped design it. Yep. Well, Bruce has always been afraid of what the Hulk could do. Yeah. And after this movie, I mean, Mark Ruffalo did a great job in both of the Avenger films. Not getting his own Hulk film again just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. There's a lot they could do with that. Well, and it intrigues me where they left the Avengers at the headquarters at the end of the film. That was an interesting choice because, you know, they've they've gotten to the point where they need to start rotating out some of the cast. Uh, This was going to be... Uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s last film, but he signed up for the uh, Captain America Civil War one. Ah, interesting. But to start bringing in War Machine, Falcon, uh, obviously Scarlet Witch, The Vision, um, and New Blood into the Avengers just makes sense. I was surprised to see it in so much as... Now, granted, they probably know this most of the plot for the next film. But to, to lock in, these are the characters we're most likely going to use already. Mm-hmm. These are the actors we're going to use already. Well, and I liked when uh, Falcon was talking to Captain America at the party and he was saying, you know, I don't mind missing out on that firefight. I've been working on our missing persons case. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice callback to the Winter Soldier movie. I was trying to remember who was the missing person again, but yes, it was the Winter Soldier himself. It was a nice callback, and it was mm-hmm. good to show that there's other things going on, and also Falcon's reference of, your world is just crazy. Yes. Now, they built a really nice set that that was one of, again, the nice shots kind of showcasing it for the Avenger Tower part yeah. of it, and it seemed to be a much bigger location because um, they built it further out versus a more sloping up kind of a deal from when Iron Man had it, um, but they had like a... a f- Three or four levels said the windows mm-hmm. on the far side, you could see down, you could see where well, they were going to have the who can lift the hammer bit. Yeah, there was less outdoor patio uh, yeah, than the previous none. movie. Yeah, there so was, that gave them a lot more indoor space. There was the outdoor patio and then a few levels up where he land, Iron Man landed to, to de-armor. Yeah. That now kind of goes all straight up. There's a spot to land a, a, a Quinjet. Yeah. But I would imagine you got to be a decent pilot to land on that little little thing um but it it was a cool location and one well used well in a glass floor so you could look down at where the various iron man armors were being assembled and stuff which was kind of cool but ultimately pointless since nobody saw them getting built before they got trounced this is one where we've clearly gotten to the point where uh computer generated technology is so i don't want to say dirt cheap (laughs) but so accessible I mean, Iron Man 3 kind of proved it when he was swapping out armors left, right, and center. But to have Ultron, Hulk, I imagine the Hulkbuster armor for Iron Man was all CG. Yeah. Multiple, you know, computer-generated characters and stuff. Armors and Ultrons out the wazoo. Yeah. You know, and man, the Ultron design looked like the character, yet, from the comics, yet, you know, in a way that that, that... seems like it would work in in real life yeah it was clearly cg there was some articulation and stuff for the lips and whatnot that just how else could you do but again the uh the visualization of that character of the vision um they've really just outdone themselves i liked the look of the vision i thought he came off really well what i found interesting was the texturing 
Yeah. On him, there are parts that had, you know, like a solid straight up and down line work, others that had a different kind of a texturing. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they did it, but it was it was beautiful. It was very well done. Yeah. And I also liked how he's out of the, the womb, the cradle or whatever, floats up to the glass like we talked about, but then comes down. He's talking with Thor. Sees Thor's attire. Yeah, and he kind of holograms onto himself or morphs onto himself better attire or more he appropriate want, attire. He gets his costume, essentially, cape yeah. and all. Yeah. And there were a few things with the cape that just seemed a little awkward, but it seemed to be the intent they were going for. Yeah, um, they wanted a floaty cape. A floaty, but it always seemed to be floating up into the side. It was weird. Um, but yeah, it was a, a great, great character. And again... Leaving the movie with, these are the ones they're going to train up. Yeah. There's nothing to say they can't swap out some others, add some more, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was a, a good mix of characters. Good growth for the team. New location, um, just to get them kind of out of the heart mm-hmm. of, of New York for some of this. Well, and interesting that Captain America and Black Widow were staying there to train up the team. Uh, Bruce Banner is missing in action, mm-hmm. if you will. But Iron Man was driving off to do his own thing. Again, he's pretty much at the ready-to-retire stage. And again, he's got his successor right there. He's not leaving them in the lurch. Mm-hmm. So I thought that, that that played. That worked. I thought it worked perfectly. However, when I called the call center to place our order for dinner, and the guy asked what I'd been doing tonight, and I mentioned I'd seen Avengers Age of Ultron. He told me he doesn't want to spoil the future movies, but it is setting up for future movies. How could somebody not know that? Marvel has announced their plans for but at least three, four years out. I actually try not to pay too much attention to what they're announcing because I want to simply enjoy the plots. I think... Paying attention to the announcements is is harmless. I think your decision to not see the trailers ahead of time was smart. Because, again, there was a lot of the plot I had kind of seen coming, aspects of some of the fights I saw coming, and an entire scene I'd already seen. Yeah, see, and that would have disappointed me. I liked just being blown out of the water by all of it. I really enjoyed the way uh, Black Widow kept helping Cap out with the shield. Yeah, some of that was really good, particularly one or two fight scenes where they're almost handing off with yeah. it. Yeah. They'd clearly trained together before. Yeah. The complaint I had with Black Widow this time around mm-hmm. was the Tron style suit. Yeah. I with the blue see that. piping or whatever. Yeah. It just it she's she's a covert operative. Yeah, I can see that. I don't care if she's hanging around with the Hulk, Cap, Thor, yeah. etc. She's the one who can just kind of sneak into the background. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're they're setting up, obviously tons of films and stuff i was will say that the mid credit end credit you know there was only the mid credit one there was no end credit scene really lackluster it's setting up the infinity war the next two uh avenger movies i get it mm-hmm. it was 20 seconds tops tops well and it was very reminiscent of the one we saw at the end of the other yeah avengers movie which may be wh- part of why it was so lackluster to us is watching the movies back to back effectively it didn't have the payoff that samuel jackson at the end of iron man had yeah um or even the one at the end of of guardians of the galaxy or some of these others yeah where you know or even in agents of shield they have one or two tags at the end 
Yeah. You know, a good there was a scene a couple of uh, episodes back between Coulson and Hunter. Oh, I still love that scene. It's beautiful. Yeah. You yeah. know, so they could have they could have done that a little better. The one thing I thought was ironic mm-hmm. was you know, go see this in the theater. There's trailers beforehand. I expect the trailers. Mm-hmm. One of the comics Drew and I reviewed not that long ago was Fantastic Four, uh, six forty five. Yet another final issue of the Fantastic Four. They're ending the series so as not to promote the movie. Mm-hmm. So is it not somewhat ironic <laughs> to see a trailer for the Fantastic Four movie mm-hmm. in front of the Avengers? Yeah. You know, but I was actually going to bring up both that trailer and the trailer for Ant-Man. I enjoyed both those trailers a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think both will be fun movies. Yeah. Um, I missed... The Ant-Man trailer that ran during Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. And everyone I heard from told me, you didn't miss anything. This was a much better trailer that we saw before Avengers. We had the shrinking effect better. I think they sold the concept better. Uh, We got to see the villain, uh, Yellow Jacket or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was was a much better film. Yeah, they, they sold the concept to me in a way that it sounds like, okay, that's a movie I want to go see. Whereas the title alone, I mean, they even had the character saying, yeah, I, I didn't pick the name. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, the nice thing with Ant-Man is it will become, it is part of the cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. So he could become an Avenger, etc. But Fantastic Four, that's often its own little thing. Interesting. Interesting. So. And it seemed to be a, uh, what, they go to a parallel universe? Interdimensional like, travel. Yeah. It's being based more on the ultimate version of the comics. Interesting. Now I've got obviously the uh, the two Fantastic Four movies that had uh, Michael Chiklis, uh, uh, Jennifer Alba, uh, uh, Chris Evans, and Ewan Gruffid. Yes, Ewan Gruffid from uh, Forever recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should do episodes on those somewhere. I think I might even have a copy of the uh, ill-fated one that was done by Roger Corman over the course of about a two-week period, simply for the studio to retain the rights. Oh. Because he okay. used to lose it in the 90s. Yeah. So at some point, we'll, we'll go through some of those. Yeah. And then once we get a chance to watch the finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., probably do kind of a, a discussion on how that mm-hmm. season has gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, probably maybe in the not-too-distant future, once we finish off the seasons of Arrow and Flash, we may do mm-hmm. those as well. And we may do a summer TV preview if we have a chance yeah. because we saw some shockingly good uh, three and four minute promos for TV shows at the movie theater. Yeah, a couple of those. I also saw a trailer recently for the Limitless TV series. Got that mm-hmm. movie, which we need to watch. Maybe do an episode on that. Also saw the trailer. I think I sent you a link to it for Supergirl. I haven't seen that yet. I want to see that. The trailer knocked my socks off. <laughs> It is done by one of the guys behind uh, Arrow and Flash and the upcoming Legends of Tomorrow. And they've got a a take on Supergirl that I think is really going to work. I'm curious about it being on CBS as opposed to CW. You know, I just wonder if the typical CBS audience is really going to tune in and if the CW audience is going to gravitate over to CBS and watch it. This reminded me enough of kind of a Lois and Clark Nice. In a good way? Yeah, yeah. Callista Flockhart from Alan Mupiel mm. is in it. Nice. 
she plays who does she, i forget who she plays but essentially she may play cat grant who um the supergirl uh character is is like an intern for oh, got secretary for whatever supergirl has uh i think she goes by linda danvers in this i'm not positive uh but has a sister hmm. uh you know human sister mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the the trailer kind of how she gets into being supergirl interesting um and then one of the other people she's hanging around with in her civilian identity, which, again, she's doing full time because she just wants to be normal at that point, uh, is uh, James Olsen. Mm, nice. Uh, who knows Superman and seems to be kind of a bridge character there. Mm-hmm. So there's been talk of Supergirl being in the same universe as Flash and Arrow and such. So everything that Marvel has been doing so well with these Avengers mm-hmm. and related movies... DC's really got their own universe going on TV really well. Yeah, yeah. And with the movies, you get to two and a half hours a couple of times a year. That's about it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe twice, three times if you're lucky. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you got uh, an hour of Arrow, Flash. Next season, it'll also be uh, Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl mm-hmm. per week, 20 weeks plus a year. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. It's a great time to be a comic fan. Yeah, it is. Again, Agents of uh, Agents of Shield's a lot of fun, but uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was a good ride. Where would you, would you say this was as good as, not as good as, or better than the first Avengers? You know, and that's what the guy I ordered dinner from was asking me, and I told him that's a really hard one for me to answer. This one, I mean, part of me wants to say I liked it better. Because it didn't have as much of the bickering, even though the Avengers mm-hmm. did kind of fight among themselves again. And I just really prefer it when they work together. It was a better Avengers film because they were the Avengers the entire time. Yeah. Whether it was a better film. Yeah. I I run a little hot and cold on. Again, there were one or two moments. It's like, you know, you could speed this up. You could tighten this up, whatever. But nothing that made me think, wow, this is dragging. Come on, move on. Um, I really enjoyed that from that very first scene, they were a team and they they had some disagreements among their team. But that that's, you know, human nature, God nature, uh, yeah. superhero nature, whatever you want to call it. It, it was very, the nature of drama. Yeah, it was very true to life in that respect. And, you know, I I enjoyed the bit where uh, Captain America and Iron Man were both blowing off some steam chopping wood trying to sort through their feelings. And at one point, Iron Man gets called away to fix a tractor, and he looks over at Captain America and says, you know, don't steal from my pile, and they pull out. And Captain America's pile is already four times bigger than Iron Man's. Well, the other thing is right before that, when they were talking, Cap takes one of the big logs and just pulls it apart by hand. Yes! That was priceless. You know, it was... uh, Seeing those characters... They play well with each other. They do. The actors uh, play well against each other. Um, yeah. Even when they're all in a scene or when it's just a, one or two of them, you know, the, the it, it it works. Yeah. So I would say, by and large, this is a better film. I'd need, I'll pick it up on Blu-ray. Uh, there's going to be a 3D version. I'll probably get that. Um, and, and I'll reassess after a second viewing or something. Mm-hmm. Just does the Ultron plot hang together? Does the action hang together? Vision, all that. And by and large, I think it does. I think the Avenger film 
rewatching it, it worked better for me on later passes. Yeah. And it may be that, you know, in a, a home theater setting, uh, even some of the spots I thought were a little slower in Age of Ultron might work better. But by and large, I thought it was a phenomenal movie, really well done. Again, Joss Whedon, I expect no less. He understands the characters. He cares about the characters. And he does right by them. Yeah. Well, and even when there are characters that you kind of expect, he doesn't leave you wondering, why wasn't Pepper in the movie? She gets mentioned. You know, why wasn't Jane in the movie? She gets mentioned. And then they get mocked for bringing up the girlfriends who aren't there and the manner in which they're talking about. Well, they're about. competing who has the more impressive girlfriend. Yeah. It was fun. And again, bringing in some of the other characters- they didn't have to bring all of them in. Yeah. But the fact they did, again, you know, I think shows that they're invested in a bigger universe. Yeah. But I also think that's why Hawkeye got the role he did this time, is he'd pretty much gotten the short end of the script for a couple of movies. Yeah. This time they at least did better by him. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens with that character uh, moving forward. It seems like he's at a point where we may not see Hawkeye again. Yeah, it was, they left him with a, he took a suitcase home. They they parked that character. They more or less did the same with, with Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thor, pretty much. Could yeah. bring him back, doesn't didn't have to. Thor comes and goes. Yeah, but they set expectations realistically. Yeah. You know, because after a couple of movies, I mean, these guys get expensive. Yeah. So I want to see what they do. I want to see if they can take some of the, not lesser characters, but, you know, uh, uh, supporting cast members, whatever, play them into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., see what happens in the next couple of, you know, Marvel Universe movies and mm-hmm. such. They're doing mm-hmm. a good job building this this universe up. Uh, they continue to, to have fun with it. I hope Iron, or uh, not Iron Man, Ant-Man, the next one, uh, works well and it sets the one after it up. Mm-hmm. They may have already started filming Captain America's Civil War, I'm not sure. Interesting. But, I mean, they've they've... Again, they've got this charted out for years. Yeah, yeah. Um, It just comes down to when do they hit the point where they've had to roll everybody over mm. just because the actors have gotten to where they can't keep doing action sequences. Yeah. These have got to be demanding films. Yeah. So, but I enjoyed it. A lot of fun. Uh, anything else? Does that pretty much do it? That does it. Cool. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.